Hey there, pet lovers. How's it going? And welcome to the 57th Pet Podcast on Pets.ca. My name is Marco, and as always, we're coming to you from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. For today's show, we have a special guest, Alana Devine, who is the Director of Animal Advocacy for the Montreal SPCA. And we're going to have a conversation with her about BSL, which is breed-specific legislation. And we're going to talk about how BSL is uh, affecting Montreal. Before we get into it, I know it's been a while since our last podcast. We've kind of been on hiatus a little bit, but occasionally we're going to keep doing these when the topics are interesting enough, as uh, today's is. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast automatically, we recommend a Google Reader, or you can subscribe in iTunes, and uh, you can find the link at uh, pets.ca forward slash blog. And before we get into the interview, I'd just like to say uh, Thomas, who is a pit bull that uh, Alana is caring for, he's in the interview room with us so if you hear lapping sounds tail whacking sounds just know that it's uh, thomas making his presence known okay then let's just get right into today's podcast now okay so i'm here with uh, alana devine again uh, from the montreal spca and we're here to talk about bsl and uh, how it's affecting montreal how it's affecting other cities uh, all over the place actually so for those of us that don't know what it is um why don't we just get into it what is bsl alana uh, BSL is breed-specific legislation. I actually like to call it BDL, breed uh, discrimination legislation. Uh-huh. Um, BDL is basically, or BSL, is legislation that seeks to either ban or restrict um, dogs based on physical characteristics. And what we're seeing more and more is, uh, again, BSL based on pit bulls, but, um, or dogs identified as pit bulls. But in the past, there have been other dogs that have been subject to this legislation. There is legislation that exists elsewhere that involves other breeds or dogs with certain physical characteristics. Can you give us some examples of cities where it's going on right now? Uh, well, the province of Ontario actually has a BDL. Um, Ontario has a breed ban um, with a grandfather clause, so that means that uh, people who had pit bulls before the ban was implemented were able to keep their dogs, provided the dogs were muzzled at all times, um, and castrated and kept on leash. However, um, no one can adopt or take in a pit bull anymore. Uh, they are no longer permitted in the entire province of Ontario. Okay. So for someone that is for BSL, they might say that this is working because they're getting rid of pit bulls. Why is that a bad thing? Pit bulls are biting people. We see it on the news. Why is it bad? Well, you have to look at what what is the goal? Why uh, why is BDL or BSL being implemented? And the idea that um, is to reduce dog bites and dangerous dogs. And the reality is that BSL, breed-specific legislation, does not reduce dog bites. Um, there have been countries where it has been implemented um, and then reversed simply because it has had zero effect on lowering dog bite rates. And in actually some circumstances, dog bite, baits, but dog bite rates, including those from dogs that are banned, i.e. dogs identified as pit bulls, have actually increased. Why is that? Because the real problem um, when we look at dangerous dogs and dogs who bite are the owners. Um, And so by simply restricting a breed um, or a dog actually identified as a breed, because again, pit bull is not a breed of dog, it's dogs with certain physical characteristics. What you're basically saying is that the problem is not the owner, the problem is the dog itself. And we simply know that not to be true. Uh, Behavioral specialists, veterinarians, uh, basically every professional organization that is involved in uh, animal advocacy or in animal behavior has stipulated that this is not an issue with breeds. It's an issue with uh, owners and dog uh, responsibility. And by simply banning a breed, 
breed, what happens is these people either choose another type of dog. Right. Uh, the wrong types of people are even more interested in these dogs because they become clandestine. So you see, again, people using them for guarding, um, you know, irresponsible breeding, fighting, still having these dogs. And ultimately, what you're saying is this has nothing to do with how dogs are raised, which we know is not the case. It has to do with the dog's physical characteristics, which is absolutely false. Right. And just talking about the physical characteristics for half a sec, I mean, a lot of people can't tell pit bulls from other breeds, right? Like, how is this even being enforced? Pit bulls look like other dogs. You know, you say this is a pit bull, but maybe it's a little bit of boxer. Maybe it's a little bit of this. I mean, how does the identification even come in? Well, that's one of the biggest problems is the enforcement issue. Aside from the fact that it doesn't work, aside from the fact that dogs, uh, a certain dog of a certain breed or physical characteristic isn't any more likely to bite than another. In fact, the factors that are really prevalent in biting are unsterilized dogs, dogs that are used for other non-companion animal purposes, i.e. fighting, guarding, uh, under-socialized dogs. But the major issue is enforcement. Uh, Pitbull is not a breed of dog. Um, It's used to identify three different breeds of dogs, none of which are accepted by any of the uh, various kennel clubs. So it's the American Pitbull Terrier, the American Staffordshire Terrier, and the Staffordshire Terrier, um, and any other dog sharing those physical characteristics. So one of the most interesting things that I like to do is uh, talk to people who are actually enforcing this legislation, put up a photo of 30 dogs, and out of those 30 dogs, 29 of them are actually purebred dogs of another breed, i.e. not Pitbulls, and only one of them is a dog that is identified, one of those three breeds that's actually Pitbull, and not one of them is able to identify which dog is actually the pit bull. So it's it's really a witch hunt based on dogs that have large heads and big shoulders. And yet some dogs seem immune, and these dogs may bite as frequently or less frequently. Dobermans, German Shepherds, other big Rottweilers. I mean, how is it that these other dogs are not being singled out, but pit bulls are? It's interesting. It's it's this sort of demonization that we've seen in the media. Um, people are fearful of dangerous dogs and people are fearful of dog bites. And so um, it's much easier for the media to say it's the problem of the pit bull rather than to realize that there are a lot more complicated factors in play. And that has to do with really irresponsible owners, owners that are neglecting their animals. And those are more difficult to deal with. We can deal with them, but they're more difficult to deal with. And so um, when you even look at media reports, um, a lot of the various uh, animal advocacy groups that do deal with breed-specific legislation have done studies and uh, when there's attack by a German Shepherd or a Rottweiler or a Golden Retriever, it ends up in one local newspaper. If there's a pit bull bite, it makes it to hundreds of different newspapers. And even right here in Montreal, we had an example. Three weeks ago, a Rottweiler um, attacked and killed another dog in a dog park and bit somebody. It never made it into the news. Ever. And yet, had that been a pit bull, it would have been everywhere. I would have been doing interviews. And so we've just come to this bizarre place where it's this demonization in the media of this dog that isn't even a breed. It's just a dog with certain physical characteristics. And if you look back in the history, you know, 10 years ago, it was Dobermans. 10 years before that, it was German Shepherds. And at a certain point, it was Bloodhounds. Um, And if you look at the media, there's sort of these patterns of how many of these stories are actually reported. So what we need to do is not really look at the hype and look at just the media. We need to look at the facts. And what the facts say is, number one, uh, dog bites are not only attributed to pit bull or dogs identified as pit bulls. Um, they're attributed to dogs who are uh, unsterilized, neglected, under-socialized, used for non-companion animal purposes. Um, and again, the number one biter, when you look at statistics, is, is not generally pit bulls. Um, in the city of Montreal, uh, a study was done, and I think the number one biter was German Shepherd and German Shepherd mixes. And yet, we are demonizing a dog with certain physical characteristics. And I wonder if, like, and I'm sure you've thought of this before, and many people have thought of this before, but, like, what about educating the people? 
What about making it mandatory for people to take a dog course or an obedience course once they get a dog? I mean, isn't that a better solution than demonizing a certain breed? Because there will always be bad people that are going to get bad dogs. Always, always, always. It's just the nature of the world. Bad people will get bad dogs. But if you make laws or, you know, try and enact some type of legislation or put something forward that puts the burden on the dog owner to perhaps care for his dog or, you know... What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> um, I mean, that's a really great point. And, you know, again, rather than reinventing the wheel, what I try to do is look at models that do work. Um, Calgary is a fantastic model of what does work. Bill Bruce, who is the director of animal services in Calgary, uh, implemented a model, um, and he has successfully reduced dog bite rates in a city of 1.1 million and growing. Um, in 2009, I think they had 125 dog bites, which is a very small amount. And his model has basically been target irresponsible owners, ensure people properly look after their animals, enforce lease laws, and promote um, and enforce sterilization. Um, because really, spay-neuter has a lot to do with um, factors in terms of aggressivity and also dog bites. And so that's the model that he has put into place, and it's successful. And when you speak to, again, veterinarians, behavioralists, everyone will tell you that really, if you want to prevent dog bites, you want to prevent irresponsible owners. And how do you do that? Through education, through making tools available. So yes, you know, spay-neuter programs subsidized by the city, but also through legislation and enforcement. Absolutely, absolutely. And I guess I wanted to also get into how is this affecting Montreal? We're hearing now in the news how uh, breed-specific legislation is coming into Montreal and how the MSPCA is involved in this. You know, we run a pretty active bulletin board, and there are a lot of members that are super interested in this topic, actually. Whose efforts is it? I mean, how is it coming to Montreal, and, and is it working? What's the status of it? You know, I think one of the things that's important to realize is that BDL, and again, breed discrimination legislation, is everybody's business. If you have a dog, your dog could be next. Because right now, it's dogs identified as pit bulls. But if you have a lab or a Rottweiler or a German Shepherd, uh, there's nothing to say that in a few years from now, if we continue on this trend, that your dog isn't going to be subject to this legislation as well. Um, and it really does affect us in a number of ways. One, um, you know, dogs identified as pit bulls have a very hard time finding homes, no matter how fabulous these dogs are. And again, every dog is an individual no matter what the breed. This is not a breed issue. This is a individual temperament. And really, temperament has to do with genetics, but it really has a lot to do with how an animal is raised. And that's what's important to remember. Every dog is an individual. And so um, certainly it, it affects people in Montreal, one, because there are people living in municipalities where there's breed-specific legislation that are interested in adopting a dog based on its personality, not on its looks. They fall in love with a dog, and they're not able to have that type of dog. Uh, there are people that do have these dogs in municipalities that are subject to discrimination simply because because of what their dog looks like. Um, and again, it's problematic from an, an, an overall standpoint because we simply aren't reducing dog bite rates. What we're doing is putting in place this sort of false sense of security that's penalizing responsible dog owners uh, and ultimately penalizing dogs just because of what they look like. And how is the SPCA trying to fight this? <laughs> um, you know, it, it's been some time that obviously we've been very active uh, in Montreal in trying to work with municipalities. Again, we want to lower dog bite rates. Um, you know, definitely we want to make communities safer places. But uh, BDL or BSL is not the way to do so. So what we've been trying to do, and again, what we're continuing to do, is we want to work with communities to put in place legislation that actually works. Um, there are a few municipalities that we're contemplating putting in place uh, BDL. So not necessarily bans, but restrictions so mandatory muzzling, um, and we're trying to work with those municipalities to say, listen, this model doesn't work. Don't put in, some, in place something that's simply what you think is sort of a snap
snap two second solution. It doesn't work. It's expensive. It's very difficult to enforce. We want to work with you to put in place legislation that actually protects animals and citizens. Um, and for municipalities that do have breed specific legislation, you know, we have made a decision that we no longer want to work with those municipalities that don't want to really protect, um, you know, animals and citizens in a proactive, meaningful, real way. And so we are working with those municipalities to really hopefully get them to change their legislation. But we have made a decision that we will no longer be signing contracts with municipalities that have in place uh, breed discrimination legislation um, because it's simply so much against what the SPCA is really trying to work on and that is sort of a, a harmonious community for um, you know animals and citizens and, and a place where again legislation that's just based on fear-mongering is is not prevalent. And uh, how are the uh, communities responding to this, of course? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think, uh, interestingly enough, the communities that uh, were contemplating breed uh, discrimination legislation, as soon as they look at the facts, um, and you start bringing out, again, there's been studies that have been done in countries where there has been breed-specific legislation. Um, you know, when you bring out the, you know, veterinary organization uh, opinion, so the OMVQ, uh, so that's the veterinary order in Quebec, has just come out with a position statement against breed-specific um, legislation or BDL. Um, and so when you start laying the facts on the table and saying, listen, there are other options that we know work, uh, municipalities that do not have this legislation in place have been very receptive. Uh, for the municipalities that do already have breed-specific legislation, um, it's it's a long uh, it's a long road ahead because some of these communities have had this legislation in place for years, um, and they don't really realize that what they have is a false sense of security. So it, they aren't preventing dog bites. If, if there are not a lot of dog bites, that's simply because there aren't a lot of dog bites. It really has nothing to do with this legislation and what they're doing is preventing uh, responsible you know uh, professionals like myself from wanting to move into their communities I'm not going to move somewhere where my dog is going to be discriminated against and there are a lot of people like me out there who have dogs that are identified as again what is now a, a banned or discriminated against breed and we're not interested in moving into these communities so um, you know communities that want to open up their uh, really make sure that they're welcoming to responsible dog owners and focus on the irresponsible dog owners uh, need to really start reconsidering the legislation they have in place because at the end of the day like we just said there are bad people out there period if these bad people are not going to be able to get pit bulls without a doubt just as sure as the sun will rise tomorrow they will seek out other breeds and they will try and corrupt those breeds and then those breeds a corrupted dog might bite a mal-socialized dog might bite and then who knows which breed is next, I guess is really at the end of the day, which breed is next. I mean, that that's it. And, and the other thing is, you know, what we see is by uh, demonizing these, these dogs, and again, dogs identified as pit bulls, the wrong kinds of people even more interested. Our experience here at the SPCA is communities that have uh, breed bans in place for dogs identified as pit bulls have a lot of pit bulls in their communities, but it is the wrong kind of people who have these dogs because quite frankly, they don't care if their dog is seized. Their dog is simply used as a tool. Uh, it's it's not a, a part of their life, a part of their family. And so if you seize their dog, they'll just get another one of another breed or of the same breed. And so it, what we're seeing is that it doesn't work. It in fact has the opposite effect of the wrong kind of people bad people being interested in this breed of dog. And so what you want to do is foster responsible, um, you know, dog ownership. And, and that's not what this legislation does. And uh, just so people know now, like in general, uh, the MSPCA, how many boroughs do you serve? Or how many, you know, how many people are being served by <laughs> the SPCA? Or, you know, about. I mean, we take in um, up to 12,000 animals a year. So and we serve about half the boroughs on that form part of the old city of Montreal and yeah. plus a lot of separate uh, I guess cities or municipalities on the island of Montreal um, so we do 12,000 animals a year and while that's only a fraction of the number of animals coming in from the island of Montreal it still represents a significant portion okay 
And I guess I just wanted to know your thoughts on, on, on the differences between for-profit shelters and <laughs> perhaps not-for-profit shelters. How is that playing into the um, atmosphere of things these days? And then I'll let you conclude and, <laughs> and let you get back to, uh, to your work. Well, well that's, um, I mean, that's bringing up a whole other issue. Um, the issue of for-profit, and again, I don't like to use the word shelter, it's for-profit pounds, which is, again, a model we only see here in Quebec. It has not been successful anywhere else. Um, the, the issue, without going into, again, you know, we know the whole Berger Blanc scandal. The model itself is problematic. For-profit versus non-profit shelters. Again, the terminology is very different. Um, a for-profit is not a shelter, it's a pound. Um, and ultimately, the goal of a for-profit is to make money. Um, and animal services should be about reducing overpopulation, properly caring for animals, and really working with the community to make sure that, uh, you know, uh, animal owners are responsible. And that's not what the for-profit model is about. And so there really is a huge distinction between sheltering uh, animal services services, non-profit model and the for-profit model. And again, we only see the for-profit model successfully working in here in Quebec. Elsewhere, when you talk about a for-profit company running animal services, they don't understand. They've never heard of that model because, again, the whole idea of a company wanting to make money rather than working on reducing overpopulation is completely counter to what the rest of North America thinks of when they hear animal services. Right. And, uh, of course, the MSPCA would, would welcome more nonprofit organizations. Wouldn't you welcome more nonprofits? Uh, absolutely. I mean, what we really want to see is uh, one of two things, either uh, animal services, again, responsible, proactive animal services run by the city, and we definitely would like to be a partner and, and play part of that uh, role, or a nonprofit organization, again, uh, su entirely subsidized uh, by the city. And those two models would work very well. But certainly what we can see is that the for-profit model does not work. We have a huge companion animal overpopulation problem, um, and we need to look at animal services as a whole and really change the way that we're doing things in the city. Excellent, excellent. And now I just want to give you the last word. Is there anything you left <laughs> out? Is there any, you know, what's the last piece of advice for someone about this that you'd like to leave? Um, I think, you know, when we're talking about... Uh, any animal issue, but if you want to get back to what the original interview was about, and that's breed discrimination legislation, I think it's important for you know people to realize that this is an issue that affects everybody. So even if you don't have a dog identified as a pit bull, um, or you don't know anybody who has a dog identified as a pit bull, really do the research, know the facts, uh, realize that this is really about fear mongering and, and doesn't have any actual basis in... Um, in objective facts um, and know that uh, while pit bull type dogs or dogs identified as pit bull are subject to this discrimination now, uh, there's nothing to say that next year it couldn't be the type of dog that you have. And so everyone needs to speak it out about this issue. It's important. Uh, not only does it affect, you know, people who have dogs, but it also affects the community because ultimately it does not reduce bite rates and does not protect people from dangerous dogs. Perfect. I think uh, we've covered quite a lot, and I'd just like to thank you one last time for your time. Thanks so much, Alana Devine uh, from the Montreal SPCA. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks. <laughs> And so I'd like to thank Alana Devine one last time for that great interview and uh, for sharing her thoughts on uh, breed discrimination <laughs> legislation. Thanks so much, Alana. That's going to do it for me, everyone. And as always, I like to encourage people to give their pets uh, an extra hug, an extra pet. And uh, just when you think you're finished, give them one more scratchy under the neck from Marco. Thanks so much for listening, everyone.